What is going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me, as always, is my podcasting partner, Paul. Yeah! And welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, the OG Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. So that's you guys, by the fans. That is us. As always, intro and outro music provided by Park and Main. Check them out at parkandmainband.com. You can follow me Paul and the pod on Twitter. I'm at so says Jay Paul at Dervish of World and the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA and the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, which includes us and the Suns Report, is yes. available at BrightSideOfTheSun.com and on any podcasting platforms that you may get your podcasts from. All right. All right. Right. Okay. So Lego. We are here recording on our usual Tuesday evening. Uh, since we last recorded, the Suns are 2-1, and one, having beat the Blazers last Friday, the Bucks on Sunday, and then losing to the Blazers uh, tonight. Um, all three of those games came without DA and Cam playing, uh, Aiton suffering the ankle injury last week against Toronto? Yeah, on Tuesday, last time we recorded. Last time we recorded, and Cam being out with mono because... Yeah, because he's a teenager? Right, exactly. <laughs> hey, you know what? He's a... He, he's, he's having a, some fun. He's a wealthy young kid living in... Uh, Tempe. In, in Phoenix, Scottsdale, Tempe, wherever it might be. You do you, Cam Johnson. You do you. Uh, I think I think a lot of the younger players in the past have, uh, have lived in... Kind of lived in Tempe or area so i wouldn't be surprised if he's down that way is that something you have a lot of knowledge about where sons players live paul uh yes okay <laughs> no note to self <laughs> if, if if you're a sons player out there be careful and be leery and make sure your security is solid and updated because paul yes. might be stalking you all right well you know i i think the might thing- be <laughs> is absolutely <laughs> stalking you. Uh, the the thing that really sticks out from those three games for me, and this kind of plays into not having Aiton and Cam, uh, and that's they won the first two games of of these last three, yeah. and they did so perhaps hugely in part because of the fact that Aaron Baines played out of his mind. He, I mean, he played like the beginning of the season, Aaron Baines. He he played beyond the beginning of the season, Aaron Baines. Well, in one but, game, definitely. But I, I would say in both of them. Um, the 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 Blazer game, he scored a career high thirty seven points, grabbed sixteen rebounds, and hit nine threes. And in the Bucks game, he had, I believe, twenty four points. Um, he played. Let's see, Bucks game. Yes, twenty four points, seven rebounds, hitting four threes. Um, so. Yeah, I guess you could say that one was maybe more in the realm of Aaron Baines early in the season, but I'd say even that twenty-four points is is up there. Um, but apparently, we live and die by the Baines. Right, yeah, seven right. points against the Trailblazers on three of fourteen shots. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Then, then the game tonight, he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. I mean, it seemed like from three last Friday, he couldn't miss. Uh, Sunday, he was still hitting them. He still hit four for 11, I believe. And then, yeah, tonight, one for seven from deep. And the reason I say it kind of goes to Cam and DA being out is when the Suns, and we've talked about this a lot this year, but when the Suns are without 
two front court guys like that, really what they need is a perfect game to to to, to pull out a win. And, right. and and you look at it and even with those performances by Baines in the first Blazers game and the Bucks game, the Suns won the Blazer game by ten, beat the Bucks by nine. So it's not like Baines went off and we're talking about twenty something point victories. They needed that that type of play from him and obviously great contributions from everybody else. Ricky Rubio's been playing fantastic as of late. Booker, even though he went through that little slump his last few games, has been playing very well. And I think in the Bucks game in particular, uh, he scored what, thirty six points in that yeah. game. Yeah, he um, was on fire. Another interesting thing about Booker that I was looking at, four of his last eight games, he's had 10 or more assists. Um, tonight against the Blazers, he had nine. And that's that's a guy who obviously is, his ability to distribute is not something that is lost on Suns fans. No, but it's definitely not. In his entire career, he's had a, a total of 24 games where he's had 10 assists or more. So I think it's interesting to see him really becoming even more of a distributor, at least at least successfully distributing, you know, making the guys are making the buckets after he passes in the ball in these last eight games or so. Um, so even when he was struggling, he's still putting up those big assist numbers and doing something to, to improve the team. Right. Which is, which is impressive, particularly when you have like such a ball dominant guard, like a Ricky Rubio. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, when, when Nash was running the show back in the day, I mean, he got a crap ton of assists, but it wasn't like anybody else was kind of sharing that load. They were more just, you know, receiving the the benefits of him him uh, orchestrating right. the offense. So you have Rubio doing <laughs> similar things, but because it's it's not like it doesn't feel like when LeBron first went to the Heat, mm-hmm. and I don't know if follow me on this for a little bit, but um, I'm with you. So it far. felt like a lot of the times Wade and LeBron were going, okay, my turn, your turn. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like that when you're watching Rubio and Booker play. They're playing together and sharing the ball in a way that feels natural for both of them. And it is, it's allowing, I mean, and within that, it's not just like, okay, Booker, when he gets the ball, he's only scoring. Right. Which, which is great. And, you know, Rubio has actually been um, picking it up on that scoring end and, like, being a little bit more efficient with it. He's actually um, – I think uh, I, ha- I have to give it up to uh, Sam over at um, the Timeline. He did – he wrote a great article for Brightside on Rubio and talked about it on the last episode of the Timeline. And just – Rubio has been shooting lights out for, on catch and shoots. I think he's at, like, 41% or something crazy like that, which is – for a guy who is um, uh, not known, known as, as not known as not known as a shooter, to be shooting that on catch and shoots. I mean, granted, he's a guy who has the ball in his hand a lot. So, how often is he really do getting catch and shoot shots? But I mean, when you got a guy like Devin Booker who's also getting ten assists, um, you know, or like upwards, or, you know, high, you know, six seven assists on the reg. You know you're getting those um, those opportunities, so it it seems like they're definitely fi- finding a groove. Um, one thing that uh, you know, obviously, a lot of people point out, you know, with Aiton being out and Baines play uh, being in that starting lineup, he he 
basically it turns the offense into a five-out offense, which is not what the Suns have when Aiton's playing, at least not yet. Right. Um, so, you know, that opens up a lot of room for both Aiton and Booker to drive, or not Aiton, uh, Rubio and Booker to drive and driving kick and like probe. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how that evolves. Um, cause I, who knows when Aiton's going to start shooting threes. I mean, I, he needs to have it in his game, but I don't want it to become a crutch, which is honestly one of my biggest fears about that. You know, him developing a three point shot is because he uses that mid-range, like, jumper as a crutch so much, I'm afraid to stretch that out further. And it just, he um, doesn't, won't take advantage of his size and athleticism advantage as much as we've been wanting. We see the glimpses of and want him to become, like, the norm. Yeah, and, 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 you know, I'm not really too concerned about... when Aiton does, and I won't mm-hmm. say if, because I think it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not taking all those in practice and in warm-ups and pregame and shoot-arounds and what have you just to take them for fun. But I'm not too concerned about him becoming too reliant on it because if you think about it, that's not really going to replace possessions where Aiton could be Right. Forcing himself inside because he's going to be getting the ball out there. It's not like he's a guy that's going to get it and, at least not at this point, dribble drive. You know, he's going to get it. It's going to be the type of situation you see with Aaron Baines, really. Right. You know, he's I, I, just, I just don't want to see him there. parked on the perimeter. Right. Well, and I, and mean, I think that's that, that also is something that needs to be integrated into the offense, how right. that's going to operate. And, and that could be something that in terms of why he hasn't been shooting the threes yet, that could be something that could be reason why right there. And that's Monty just hasn't put that piece into the offense just yet for him. Not that they don't trust that he can make them, what have you, but I mean, how often do you really see a situation where Aiton is in a position where he can actually take a three pointer? I mean, sure he gets the ball up top, but most of the time then it's a, you know, a dribble handoff or something like that. Right. Um, Yes, I mean, what I I think from a shooting three standpoint, I think what I'd like to see out of Aiton is one that trailing pull up three that you know you get, um, a lot of bigs get. Like I think Kevin Love gets that one a lot, um, where you know the the break has started or the possession started, and you know because they were, did the inbounds or whatever, they're trailing, and before they've gotten set down low, you know have that available so that's a threat as well as um, have a pick and pop in his in his mm-hmm. game. So it's like, okay, we're, we see they're going into a pick. Is this going to be a roll? Is this going to be a pop? You know, like have both those threats so you never know what he's actually going to do. Right. Right. And, and I think it's a matter of time. Um, ultimately, Next year, if, if if it doesn't start getting integrated into it next year, into his game next year, into the offense next year, then then I might raise a little bit of a question yeah. concern because I don't see why having a year in Monty's system, that's something that couldn't be put into place. And, you know, back to kind of the point of Booker Rubio distributing, I think that goes to the fact, again, that Monty's system works. You yeah. know, it works. And even tonight when they end up losing by a big chunk, and, and really it got lost in the fourth quarter. I mean, they yeah. were down early by, I think, 10 or 11. Then the fourth quarter with Booker out, the Blazers went on a 9 nothing run. And 
from that point on, when even when Booker got back in the game, the Blazers just wouldn't miss. Even when the Suns were making, I mean, there was a point when we were looking at this before we started recording where the Blazers made eight shot eight, eight possessions in a row where they scored. Um, and I think they were all either twos or threes. I don't think they were going to the line. And at the same time, the Suns on every one of their possessions were, were scoring. But when you're trying to chip away at a 12-point lead and you've got Zonia hitting step-back banking threes, you know, it's going to be difficult to do that when you're just uh, uh, trading tit for tat. And then the Suns stopped hitting and the Blazers kept hitting, and that's ultimately what it what it boiled down to. But, you know, at the end of the day, we look again to when you have – rotational players out like like we do right now with Cam, right. with with DA and even with Frank. And Ubre, don't forget and Ubre. Yeah, of course. Y- you know, you need you need that perfect game from somebody you're not expecting to get that perfect game from. Yeah, and we and, don't have those we don't have enough of those guys. Right. I- exactly. Right. So, you know, and and the 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 Cam thing is interesting because I mean, he has mono like we talked about and quipped about earlier and they say 2 weeks we'll get an update. I mean, who knows when he's going to be back. Yeah, I mean, how long... Because, like, I find it funny because, like, when was the last time you heard about Mono outside of this year? Like, honestly, like, Sam Darnold got it for the Jets. That was, like, the first time... I swear it's, like, the first time I heard of Mono in, like, half a decade. Yeah. If not longer. I... And then we get another athlete gets Mono in the same year. Right. Same... Well, not technically same year, but you know, same. I get what you're saying. Re- relatively close time frame. I get what you're saying. Um, but yeah, I mean, recovery can be two weeks, can be you know longer as yeah. well. And and we'll we'll get into everyone's favorite epidemic and uh, <laughs> and reason for nationwide alarm and the selling out of toilet paper and hand sanitizer. One of those makes sense. One of those doesn't. Yeah, it's weird. Um, <laughs> The whole the whole coronavirus thing, but I mean, you have to think that with that being out there, that the Suns are taking an even extra more 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 cautious approach to Cam Johnson having mono. Well, I mean, it's just you, with that with mono, it's just it's a, such a that crazy side effect or symptom of it that like the spleen swells, and you know if you get hit wrong, it could burst. You know, you really don't want that on during a game. You don't want that anytime. No, but yeah, but the league doesn't want that to happen on live television. No. <laughs> Whether there's a crowd there or not. No, they, <laughs> they, they do not. Um, and yeah, it's one of those things where with everything that's going on, however long it takes Cam to be fully healthy, that's obviously the more important thing. Uh, 100%. Uh, not only selfishly as a Suns fan, you know, long term, but also for 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 the kid who's who's coming into his own and you know it's an unfortunate time for this to happen to him because you know the last game he played in the Raptors game he played very well and he's been showing some some flashes and I mean there's no doubt that he's already I mean if you had to sit here and say okay you've got 10 guys in the NBA who you can pick as as you know I'm putting together a three-point shooting contest I get five you get five Paul I would venture to guess that Cam Johnson would be in one of those 10. I mean, he is a phenomenal shooter. And and <coughs> while a bit older, obviously, uh, in comparison to other rookies, uh, he's still young in his NBA career and is only going to improve. So, you know, the fact that he was showing those flashes and now is going to be out for at least two weeks, if not longer, is certainly, certainly unfortunate. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, particularly after, like, I mean, we literally talked about it last episode. Should he be the starter with right. Ubre going down? And now it's like, oh, never mind. Right. Right. Never yeah. mind. I'm trying to think if we've jinxed any other Suns players that uh, maybe we need not talk about. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, should, should maybe we, we should start a late. If we do, we should start a Lakers pod and just jinx all of them instead. 100%. Let's do that. Okay. 100%. Well, let's take a quick break, and we'll we'll talk about uh, everybody's favorite public fear right now, the coronavirus. So there's obviously been a lot going on recently in the sports world, even with the with the coronavirus uh, being it's out Corona there. time. Yeah, not that not not <laughs> not the good type of Corona here. Um, well, actually, know, they've been getting hurt too. Yeah, because <laughs> people are dumb. Those uh, poor companies. Just like it why just means crown. People. Why, why did this have to happen? Couldn't they have named it? Like, couldn't they have called it like the Dos Equis virus or something? Right? That's what Corona's got to be thinking. But anyway, I mean, you've got you've got the Ivy League's already canceled its conference tournament. Yeah. Oh, the, big whoop. Still, I mean, yeah, for the players. Still, yeah. And even for the fans, and and you know, I, I'll bring this up because I think there's multi mul- multiple reasons why it's it's ridiculous that the Ivy League canceled entirely canceled their yeah. conference tournament. The, the one of them being the fact that they decided we're going to cancel and we're going to say that the regular season conference winner is getting the automatic bid. Well, that was mm. Yale. Harvard finished one game behind Yale in the standings, conference standings, and beat Yale twice during the regular season. So you know Harvard's got to be sitting there being like, WTF, why, 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 why cancel it? You want us to play in front of nobody? Fine, let's do that, but let's still have the competition. And I, I, I certainly, I mean, that would be my opinion if I were them, and I know some players were on Twitter saying something similar to that, and yeah, I think I mean, they've actually started a petition trying to get the Ivy League to have their conference tournament played. Yeah, because, I mean, I mean, they want to play. I mean, particularly, like, I mean... Like, just, like, the seniors on the team, like, this is, like, your last shot. Right. These are your last games, and you, like, don't even get them. Right, exactly. And, I mean, any conference, when a team is in second, and they're going to want their opportunity. I mean, you look at even, and I don't know what happened in this game, but West Coast Conference, Gonzaga played St. Mary's. St. Mary's, I finished, was, I think, was third in standings this year. Yeah. But, But... Gonzaga's a juggernaut, but St. Mary's capable of beating them, and maybe they will. Mm-hmm. Maybe they did. I don't know. I that's it's. Over I was right watching now. a little bit at the gym. They were not winning when I left <laughs> by a lot. <laughs> they were not winning by a lot. Also known as they were losing by a lot. Yeah, it happens. But anyway, point being, you want the competition to be there, and and that's what the MAC and Big West have done today. They announced that they're going to play their conference tournaments, but fans are not going to be there. Right. Uh, there's been games in in Europe where that's happened. Um, and then, of course, we have the joint release or joint statement, joint directive, whatever you want to call it, that came out from the NBA, MLB, NC, or excuse me, uh, NHL, and NFL, saying that for the time being, no media personnel are going to be allowed in locker rooms because of of coronavirus. But the question that I have is, do you think at some point this year we're going to see NBA games played without fans? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's what's what's kind of funny is a f- handful of years back or so, we you started to have this conversation about you know just the in-game experience as it was because it it's not honestly it's not a great experience as a fan. I mean, like the atmosphere when I when a game is going off, like 
like a close game or like a playoff game, that's different. But I mean, on a day to day average week weeknight, and I have the opportunity. Like sometimes you really question, like, okay, is this a better experience to just sit and watch it on my couch? I mean, with HDTVs and and all that, you know, particularly like the NFL, like that was the the big one because and it's like the the annoyance of the rules that they had about like okay you had to like sell out the stadium or it wouldn't broadcast in your local market and you're like but I don't even want to go to the game Gr- growing up in Arizona yeah we're all very familiar with the blackouts San Diego ran into that a handful mm-hmm. of times as mm-hmm. well when we were out there so <laughs> I don't know if they have that rule anymore I or maybe this the Cardinals are just have gotten popular enough that it's not. Oh not yeah, an the issue. Cardinals have sold out. I think they. I think they might point. also lowered the requirement of it didn't have to be a sellout, but it had to be like eighty percent or whatever. But that conversation was being had about you know, do you need the fans on site? You know, if you're just you know, if the game's actually more enjoyable to watch on TV. I don't know if. But, basketball is that way football much more so just because there's so much nuance and replay and things like that, that you can't see in the bang, bang moment of it. Um, hockey is definitely one that you want to see in person. It's so much better in person than on TV, but for kind of forcing the issue a little bit, I will be interested to see if they're like love unintended consequences in a way of they, you know, they had to do this because of this virus and, you know, not, you know, not having crowds and whatnot. But then do, do the ratings spike because nobody's at the game. So like everybody wants their fix <laughs> or they want to check it out. And is like, what is the like, what is a game like with no crowd? That that I think <laughs> would be something that would come into play more if you're talking about ratings and crowd noise just so the guys aren't like like. Just yeah, out do, of it. <laughs> do, do, do you have a PA announcer who announces who scores after every basket? You don't really need it, right? No, there's no need for any music to be played. Are you just going to have? I, I, I for Are one, you just going to hear? Quick, 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 quick. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I for one think that we there there will be NBA game play without fans. I mean, if what we're seeing so far with <clears throat> again conferences mm-hmm. playing without fans, the Ivy League canceling its its tournament. It seems to me, and with the NBA and all the other professional leagues not having media members in the locker rooms, it just seems like it's a slow progression towards a point where perhaps there are NBA games that are played without fans. And frankly, because of what you were just talking about, I would I would actually be very interested in seeing that. Well, the, I mean, the other thing that's just kind of interesting to me is like I get not having crowds. I get why and all that, but. There's also a level to me of should the games be being played? Because the thing about the coronavirus is it's got – it's like up to a 14-day incubation period before you're even showing symptoms. But you're contagious. Mm-hmm. And you have these guys who are getting sweaty, banging against each other, you know, basically in a Petri dish of, you know, potential transmission – you could infect the entire league very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I can't imagine everything just being stopped. Like, that just seems 
incredibly extremely. Don't watch the movie Contagion. Con- particularly consider I've seen. I, I actually saw it in theaters. I fell asleep. But <laughs> particularly when you take into account the fact that really the susceptibleness, at least of the the, the more dire consequences of mm-hmm. it, uh, seem to be appearing in people that are older, much, much, much older. Right. I right. But still, the idea that. Oh, uh, 70% of our team is sick. You know, we have to cancel because we don't have enough healthy bodies. Yeah, well, don't kind of. don't give them any ideas about canceling games entirely, Paul. I don't want that to happen. I don't want it either. Well, and, and, and you know, the whole idea of playing without fans leads me to another thought, and that is didn't LeBron come out and basically say if fans aren't there, he, he's not going to play? He, he backtracked, 100% backtracked Of course on that. he did. I can't stand by one thing he says ever. Okay, <laughs> was that too much? Well, much. Um, did he? I didn't. I didn't hear that. He, he, that did, he did backtrack. Back I don't know exactly what he said, but I know he backtracked it. Like I think he was operating on incomplete information and like not re- like I don't know. Probably didn't realize the risk that like having like that it potentially could cause and whatnot and. Right. I, I, I just, you know, I assume that if he didn't have live people for him to pander to, he just didn't want to play basketball. I, I kind of well, figured th- that, would, that would That would be interesting. I mean, you know, like a lot of guys like Kelly, I mean, he wouldn't be playing because he's injured, but it's a good example. I mean, he gets fired up by crowds and he does pander to crowds. I don't think Kelly Uber needs a crowd to get fired up. Well, I don't. And, 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 and. But he interacts with The them. interaction, the, the way I view Kelly Oubre's response and interaction with the crowd is much different than how LeBron, in my, from my perspective, uh, plays, if you will, to the crowd. Right, well, I mean, it just... Kelly, Kelly's is more organic and real. There's, a, like, there's a way guys play and interact in practice, and then there's a way they do it, like, in a game with people watching... And this is going to be a weird hybrid where it's like the intensity of a game, but because you don't have the crowd, like, will people's mannerisms change? You know, because like, you know, you hit a big shot, there isn't a crowd to react to it. Right. There isn't a crowd, you can't like get them pumped up, get them going, which, you know, you know, energy breeds energy and whatnot. So... I mean, in Europe and whatnot, it's soccer, so that's like a little bit different, just because it's so low scoring, right? But basketball, I mean, there's like, I don't know. It's I, I'm curious for it to happen, just because I want to watch it. And that's it's like that's what I'm saying, because I would love <laughs> to see. In fact, I'm all for even just being like, no announcers, nothing. Just let me watch an NBA game. Players just playing. The only thing I can hear is like squeaking the shoes and whatever they say. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I think that would be incredibly interesting. Like, like really interesting. I, I want to, I want, I want to be able to hear a little bit more of what Devin Booker has to say to referees and what have you throughout the game. Um, I just, I, I, I think that would be a really interesting insight. Although at the same time, perhaps players knowing that what they say and do is more perceptible. Right. To fans watching might might tone it down a little bit, but even with that, I, I think it would be just it would be interesting to see. Well, I mean, honestly, like that's a related point. Something I was um, I wish I didn't remember where I was hearing about. So I apologize because I can't give you credit. But um, 
the idea of as the sport grows even more so and whatnot, we I mean, particularly moving into streaming and 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 such. The idea of having multiple broadcasts, like I mean, obviously right now if you got league pass, you've got the home team and the away team, you get those broadcasts. But you know, you have like a traditional announcer broadcast, you have a more of a stat head announcer, or you just have no announcer. Mm-hmm. And like you, or, and you know, maybe some, maybe like, oh, this is where I was hearing about uh, uh, KFC on Barstool was talking about it. He was like, what if you had like a bunch, like us dumbasses, um, we're the announcing team. Yeah. Or like that, he was basically, he was saying Barstool do it because like that's a very specific style that's like, you know, people might want to listen to them call a game because it's like listening to, you know, you and your buddies on the couch right. talking about the game. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of like what ESPN does with the national championship game in football. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll they'll have, it'll be broadcast on all the different, you know, it'll be on ABC, it'll be on ESPN, it'll be on ESPN News. That Yeah, that's who, who they were talking about. And then they'll have like a, like one of the ones last year, I think, had just like four players or former players basically right. talking through the game and what have you making their observations. I, 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 I would be down for that. And I think that's something, but then you go back to the whole arena experience thing. And if you give people additional options that creates further potential that maybe right. people say, Oh, well I, I can, I like this presentation of the game so much. I'm not going to go. Whereas maybe the traditional presentation of the game doesn't, keep people from going to yeah. games and the last thing the suns need right now is people, people not any going reason to not go to well, games yes i mean and there was there was like another another something that espn tried a couple years back um they did i think they called it the simulcast or something else where they had like a bunch of a bunch of guys in studio basically just hanging out like um it was like a mean brian windhorse rachel nichols popped in it was basically anybody who was like in the la la area and basically sitting on like couches and chairs watching talking about the game and you could watch it on your tablet and like it because it was just, it was just streamed on ESPN and they're watching the game live and just commenting on it and also adding the flavor of their knowledge cuz they're insiders and just whatnot and it was it was, a, it was really interesting cuz you know you got to see them in a more natural environment so their like on camera personas were mm-hmm. like tamed down a little bit and it was more they're just hanging out with their buddies and this is very topical right now because outside of the fact that this is everywhere Woj just tweeted out espn sources nba is discussing scenarios that include moving some games to cities that have yet to suffer outbreaks including opponent arenas or neutral sites he continues with another tweet saying excuse me, NBA discussing a number of possibilities, including eliminating fans from games or more drastically suspending game operations for a period of time. Decisions on those options remain complicated by fact. There has been such a limited amount of public testing for coronavirus. So it's obviously at the forefront right now with the NBA. And I think in the next days, weeks, we'll see what, if anything, the NBA ultimately does beyond what's already happened. But I think there's certainly going to be some type of response, some type of action taken by the NBA. It's just a matter of us as fans waiting to see exactly what the NBA decides it's going to do. Right. I'll be interested to see if um, an individual team 
like the owner, whoever, like is, you know, maybe more cautious than, you know, the league as a whole. And it's like, nope, no fans. Like I'm, I, you know, maybe they're a germaphobe or whatever. And they're like, uh, uh-uh, no, it's not good for our community. And, and you got to think about the logistics of all that too. Like, okay, if you're a season ticket holder and you're told you can't go to these games, do you get refunded for those games? I mean, I assume that you get refunded and what kind of financial impact that then has in the NBA. Well, and then on t- And how would that affect the salary cap? Well, flip that. What about all the employees who are, you know, running the concession stands or their security or, you know, the ushers, all these people who are now unnecessary, but, you know, they're on hourly jobs. They don't have, you know, probably don't have benefits, probably don't have, you know, banked sick time or, right. you know, they're seasonal employees, you know, just as, as while the season's going on. Yeah, there are. What, what do we do? What happens with them? Are there, are are their salaries covered? I mean, I know during the lockout they weren't, and they all had to go and find jobs. But this is diff- very different because they were working. It wasn't like there's never been a season where the season was going and then it stopped. Right. Right. It stopped, not ending. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> or there was any sort of cut where. Fans weren't allowed and personnel became unnecessary. Right, yeah, it's, um, it's a brave new world. Yeah, there are a lot of logistics that are going to be figured out uh, if 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 the NBA is going to do anything drastic like that. Um, suspending operations for a period of time, at, right after I say I can't imagine them doing that, they're apparently talking about it. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you got to go worst case scenario to an extent. I mean, just if, if the projections that I've seen even remotely come true, this is going to be it could be like it'll it'll change society to the to an extent for 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 time being sure right sure yeah okay well i guess we'll wait and see what the coronavirus does to our beloved nba yeah. um <laughs> and everything God, what else a, what, what a <laughs> fucking mess <laughs> what a mess this whole thing is and and look People, I think this is important to point out for anybody who's out there. I, I, I can't imagine any of our intelligent listeners are out there doing this. But for anyone who's out there like hoarding when they go to the grocery store, all the hand sanitizer, all the soap and stuff. Remember that other people have to clean themselves as well. And on top of that, why do we need this like pandemic to break out before people are like, it's important to wash our hands? <laughs> yeah. That's just common courtesy. Call me crazy, but I wash my hands regularly, even before the coronavirus. Uh, I haven't changed anything about what I do hygiene-wise because I feel like it was perfect. I mean, I may wash slightly longer. Perhaps. But that's about it. Regularity doesn't change. If you you don't want to sing, apparently if you sing happy birthday twice, that's the appropriate length of time. Mm. Or the uh, hook to uh, Miss Jackson by Outkast. That one I, I enjoy singing a little bit more. Doesn't, does, isn't that just like, I'm sorry, Miss Jackson, who, like, over and over again, though, kind of? Kind of, but it's 20 seconds. stuck there for it's God knows seconds. how long singing that. <laughs> well, you get a little bit more groove than, happy birthday. <laughs> but there's a whole bunch of songs. You just got to find the one that's yours. Okay. Singing along in the bathroom while you're washing your hands or in the kitchen. You done? No. On that note, Godspeed to everybody out there with the coronavirus. Um, I, yeah, this is going to be interesting, folks. Yeah. So buckle in. 
If you have any extra hand sanitizer out there, let me know. And thanks for listening and hearing our. Look, this is like, this is like a public service, public service right here. This is this we're is, teaching you stuff. Yeah, this is the the most socially in tune episode of Fanning the Flames ever. We're not going to stick to it. Don't worry. No. All right. Well, we appreciate y'all listening, like we always say here on Fanning the Flames. And um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm associate J Paul. At Dervish of World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. And until next time, stay safe out there, stay healthy out there. And depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Good night. Just wanna hear you say, yeah, yeah.